welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm spe- I, I'm doing better in general in my life. Well, for the purpose of this argument. Sure. Um, <laughs> actually not. I'm very stressed out lately. But uh, in one way, I am doing better in my life because I'm spending less and less time on Twitter. Sure. And um, there was... Uh, something that happened to very the, the, made a little bit of a spark in film Twitter this week that I so I, I'm still paying enough attention that I know what's going on which okay. is a problem but I think bothered me okay in that very Twitter what's your, way what's your beef David right well basically um, now I lost the name of the the, the writer uh, Charlie Jane Anders um, wrote a an opinion piece uh, a, a movie related opinion piece for the Washington Post and it got spread around or at least it got quote tweeted and retweeted a lot Mm. because of the headline and people were reacting to the headline not actually to what the article is about which I'm not going to say whether or not I kind of want to hold off on talking at length about what the article is actually about because I feel like it's a rich topic that we can (laughs) delve into later but let me just read you the opinion the opinion, the title of the piece is okay. opinion. Grownups, it's okay to love pop culture for kids. Stop being embarrassed about it. Now, a lot of people, rightfully, my initial reaction was like, I don't think we're having that problem. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. people could stand to be a little bit more embarrassed about <laughs> loving pop culture think, for kids. I think the ship has sailed on that one. Yeah. So, and that, so that's why, uh, like, as the, I sit in my room filled with Riddler action <laughs> right. figures. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people were dunking on it for that, but if you actually read the article, okay. what Charlie Jane Anders, I don't know if that's uh, he, she or they, but what Charlie Jane Anders is talking about is that, it's uh, it, it basically decrying the type of grown-up, quote-unquote, pop culture fandom that leads to something like Todd Phillips' Joker, where, like, like, I still love this thing, but I'm older now, so the thing needs to be older for me. Yes. As opposed to just like things that are for adults. Don't try to take stuff that is for kids and make it for adults. So that's what the thing was I'm actually going to be was, saying that a couple of times during our conversation today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then this uh, will dovetail. I think things dovetail. I like yes. a good dovetail. Um, <laughs> mm, delicious. So, uh, so yeah, I want to like because I I feel like that topic is really rich um, and and uh, is a, is a really rich vein that we could talk about more. But I basically it, just want to complain I, I, I about the, yeah. the idea of people reacting to the headline and not the oh it happens all the time i know and i but i also know that like some of these media organizations are at fault they intentionally you know engender or engineer headlines to be uh yeah uh, misconstrued yeah i wrote posts for the daily wire right try to guess right how, what i think of many of those titles some of them you know what pretty good it's just like all right you've captured what i've tried to do that's good others it's like uh guys look i know you need people to click on this thing but and and of course, of course, uh, when posted on Facebook, because I because obviously social media is is the the bigger culprit here. Like something gets posted on Facebook, and the and like a, a, a an image, and then the the title will pop up, and then people will just comment on that as though they've got the whole thing worked out. And to a certain extent, obviously, you shouldn't do that. But 
you know, uh, uh, the the title of a piece is meant to, in its own way, both invite and kind of sum up what the article is about. And I feel like there's a lot more invite than sum up. Uh, but I think people have gotten mixed up and they think like, oh, well, obviously this is what the whole article is about if, and it can be summed up in uh, half a line. So yeah. I think we, I think I got it yeah. and it's, and it's infuriating. Well, and the thing is that I know Twitter now does the thing where if you try to retweet an article that it knows you haven't clicked on, it'll say like, are you sure you want to do this? Really? Um, which means a lot of these people probably were just saying, yeah, I'm sure. Like <laughs> even given the choice, I'm don't be an asshole Twitter. Of course I'm sure. Um, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause it's, um, I'm pretty usually pretty, but I guess there's sometimes I'll read an article usually about hockey or something on the web- website and then yeah. go to Twitter just to retweet the thing. To sure. show it. So it, Twitter won't know that I've already read it and it'll say, are you sure? But I, I don't think I'm pre- I think I'm pretty uh, innocent of actually retweeting an article that I haven't read. I don't think I have done that. Or at least not maybe since I'm I was reluctant a, a younger to retweet man. anything, even if I've read it multiple times, uh, just because I try to think like, all right, is there anything in here that not so much will offend people, but like, uh, am I looking to get in a, in some kind of argument? If the answer is no, then you know what? I think I'm, I'm good. Even if I like a lot of the specifics within the article, So, okay, going back, look, I recognize that people are not fans of the Daily Wire. That's fine. I were I wrote there for the reason that like for the same reason that I go to the International Christian Film Festival, which is I don't see that there needs to be any conflict between a political belief system or a spiritual belief system and approaching film in a in a a, a critical uh, critical way, mm-hmm. uh, like critically thinking. And so that's, that's, and I was very, and you know what, to their credit, with one exception, everything that I submitted, they posted, they, they, the editors said they really liked what I was doing. It was the readers that did not like what I was doing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I was very happy with some of the stuff that I, that I, uh, that I wrote for them. But then of course the headline comes in and it's like, and this is, that's something that I don't have any control over, but it's the kind of thing where it's like, I, I, I wrote an article about the Oscars and the idea of, of certainly conservatives often talk about how like the Oscars are out of touch and blah, blah, blah. And just like, and they rarely, and this is not, this is not just conservatives that say this, like we saw this many years ago, like on a, on a, uh, an ad for the MTV movie awards in like 2007 or eight, where it said like featuring movies you actually saw. Um, uh, I don't even remember that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it clearly has stayed in my yeah. mind. Uh, it's 13 years ago, but, um, but yeah. And so that, that idea with the Oscars of like, like, Oh, well nobody's seen these movies. Like, yeah, is that a problem with the Oscars or is that a problem with people and marketing because <laughs> as far as i can tell the oscars are kind of always doing they're doing what they've always done which is like going with this film that was that's like oh this is a a kitchen sink drama about a marriage falling apart or something like that it's like yeah that's always been what the oscars champion sometimes you get lawrence of arabia but that's also just a wonderful film the difference is that and i'm sure i've mentioned it on here before like yeah, we're we're not in a position where Rain Man, not that it's an, an amazing film, but it's a grown-up movie. Mm-hmm. Like Rain Man and Kramer versus Kramer are not the highest-grossing movies of their respective years anymore. We know what like, it sounds like. What's that? We need to put Dustin Hoffman in some more movies. 
I think so. We need to get Dustin Hoffman back yeah. on. <laughs> Why isn't he part seat? of the MCU? That's what I say. He's like the only one that isn't anymore. Yeah. Um, hold on. Now I have to look up. What do you think is the last Dustin Hoffman movie that you saw? That I saw? Oh, gosh. Is it? Because he's in Chef. Chef might is be Chef that, the last one. Oh no, the Meyerwood stories, which I didn't, which I, I didn't see that now. one, unfortunately. Okay, and then so, there was Last Chance Harvey, which I heard okay things about. Oh, you saw the Cobbler in 2014. I did. The same and year I forgot, as Chef. I forgot. He so that's was a there. that's a tie for you. So uh, Meyerwood stories is really good, but that's still Kung Fu Panda. He did a voice in Kung Fu Panda. The first Kung Fu Panda was yeah. That was like in the aughts, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the that first Kung Fu Panda. Is, yeah, 08. Same year as Last Chance Harvey. Okay, okay. Um, well, yeah. Uh, well, this segment is brought to you by uh, the Meyerwood stories, which you should watch. Sure. It's really good. Absolutely. Um, okay. I'm going to tell you... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go off on that weird tangent. But I don't that, think it that, was that weird. That frustrating thing about, like... Yeah, <laughs> you know, it goes all the way back to when I wrote... Uh, movie reviews for my uh, I've told this story before for my high school paper and the very first one I wrote was a review of Spawn and uh, I wasn't one of the editors of my high school newspaper and so they uh, they spend like and they stay overnight at the school like designing everything and all that and uh, they said later on like they were getting a little punchy when they decided to write uh, the headline for my Spawn review which was grr it's Spawn that was it (laughs) (laughs) and I remember thinking like you know this is the first time I've written anything about a movie and it's in print and that's that's the headline thanks guys Um, God that reminds me I'm not going to actually say this guy's real name. I went to high school with a kid. I went to high school in the late 90s, as did you. Mm-hmm. So, um, as is apparently starting to happen again, ska was big in the late 90s. It's, it's back? I think uh, apparently, oh, or at least, there's because there's a new book called In Defense of Ska that every like rock website that I read has covered. Okay. So, um, anyway, so ska is back. But anyway, ska was big. Third wave ska, especially in the, in the late 90s. And so there was a... There was a ska band uh, at our, uh, our our high school, and um, they were very popular among all the like yeah. the, the they're made up of students, and it was all they they played the parties and stuff like that. And there was in the in our senior year notebook, the lead singer, the frontman of of the of the band, was profiled, and I have to make up a last name for him. Um, I'm going to say. He has the same. He, has, he shares a name with the kid in the home. And say it's Scott Thompson. Okay. It's not. It's not Scott Thompson. Okay. It's it's Scott something. And the headline in the yearbook profile of him and his band said, "Just call me Scott Thompson." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I haven't seen him in twenty years, but that's the first thing I'm going to bring on up a, when I see him. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of one to ten. When Scott Thompson goes back and looks at his yearbook. Right. Okay. Well, the two part question, scale of one to 10, what is his level of embarrassment at seeing that? Hopefully it's very low because if he's like me, I look, I don't even know where my senior year of yearbook is. I haven't looked at it since probably the summer of 2000 after I graduated. So, um, and I don't like, I don't know. I, I hope, I don't think anyone that I went to high school with 
listens to this, but I don't really think about the people I went to high school with. Sure. Um, I've, uh, I've, I joked on Twitter a few months ago. I joked, but this is true. I said, I think about the Stevie Nicks fajita roundup sketch on SNL more often than I think about anyone I went to high school with. <laughs> now I do, th- I do think about mistakes I made in high school. That yeah. I yeah. Embarrassing stuff comes yes. up. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, We'll go straight from that into tweakedaudio.com. Okay. I want to tell you about it, tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, today I was listening to a new song from the band Churches. Uh, I've been a fan of Churches for a while because mm-hmm. I'm that kind of uh, basic aging millennial. Um, but they have a new song out now with uh, vocals from Robert Smith of The Cure. Oh. So... My wife likes to refer to herself as an Xennial, that she's like part. There's a little bit of Generation X and a little bit Millennial. This song is obviously just made for my wife. Yeah. That's right uh, right in the the sweet spot. Um, Now, David, I've been listening to some music lately. Okay. Uh, On your tweetdarty.com earbuds? Of course. You know what else I would recommend, people, before we get into your thing? Um, (laughs) Google the... uh, SNL sketch Stevie Nicks fajita roundup <laughs> and yeah, watch I, that. I can't place it. Oh I, my god, I don't, it's I don't think I know it. So great. It's okay. Lucy Lawless as Stevie Nicks. Okay. And the enti- apparently the entire thing like I guess the thing that when someone hosts SNL they ask, Do you do any impressions? And she does a really good Stevie Nicks, so they came up with this entire sketch awesome. where she owns like a like a budget priced family Mexican restaurant in like Santa Fe or like somewhere Tempe somewhere around there. And she's doing a TV commercial and it's basically just Lucy Lowe's to Stevie Nicks singing a bunch of Fleetwood Mac songs, but changing the lyrics to be about Mexican food, you know, it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, I took your order. I took it down. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll have to check that out. It's usually, it's like the weird ones like yeah. that that stay, that yeah. stay with me when I see them. Um, but yeah, I, uh, the other day I was just like, you know what? I'm, I, I've hit a bit of a lull in my, uh, in the audiobook I was listening to. It's like, I, I want to listen to some music. I haven't listened to music in forever. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm tired of only knowing like three Gogol Bordello songs. So oh, yeah. I'm going to start listening. So I just pulled up Spotify and just like, all right, surprise me. And so just like, I, I've been listening to a lot of Gogol Bordello oh, that's good. lately. So I did, yeah, I've I really been enjoying it. I remember, yeah, I guess in the early 2000s, listening to the album that had the Start Wearing Purple mm-hmm. song on it. But today, the only song I can really remember is the Start Wearing Purple song, it's, which was in a documentary that came out last year uh, called Red Penguins. Oh, Red Penguins? Oh, yeah, yeah. The hockey documentary. Uh, the... Let's see, what is it? <laughs> and, of course, there's a certain arch quality to their music. Uh, like, I was grocery shopping and listening to Coco Bordello, and then the song American Wedding came up. Do you know the song American I, Wedding? I don't think so. It's just... Like, there are times when... Was it Eugene... Uh, huts hoots oh, i don't know how you right. say, yeah what is going on outside oh i don't know somebody's doing something uh, it's like the normally you're the one who sound. has a bad reaction to the sounds outside but that was this is yeah it's a weird it's clicking. because i uh, 
there are the sounds that I know will stick around and the ones okay. that won't. And that one I was unfamiliar with, so it's like it's probably not going to be around for very long. It sounds like either like an automatic sprinkler, like dry firing, <laughs> or like when someone's trying to start a car that's dead, you know, and it's oh, like, okay. that's, that's what it a, sounds like. Uh, both are very possible. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And so, so there are times when the lead singer will like lean more into his accent. Yeah. And so the song American wedding is just him complaining about uh, how shitty American weddings are compared to like, like Russian weddings. And, uh, and, um, yeah. Wait, and, and it leads with him going like, have you ever been to American wedding? Like he just sounds so angry and, uh, it's delightful. Did you ever see, uh, everything is illuminated? I did. That he's in. Yeah. That he's in. And then of course you and I, I saw wrist cutters where Shea Wiggum plays a character clearly meant to oh, be him. That's right. I forgot about that. And I, I think forgot, I also forgot we saw wrist cutters together. Yeah. Yeah. Not a great movie. Not a great movie. Um, what happened to Shannon Sossaman? She was on Wayward Pines. That was, but even that's been a few years. You're now. saying so many words that I don't know. You know, Wayward Pines was the, um, M night Shyamalan produced that's a series right. with, yes. uh, I want to say Matt Dillon. Was in it? I don't remember him being in it, but okay. Well, now I have to look. Okay, uh, all of this will sound great on your tweaktardio.com earbuds. They're available at a low, low price at tweaktardio.com, but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweaktardio.com and use the offer code pretension. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Tyler? Yes. Matt Dillon was on Wayward Pines. Okay. As was um, Toby Jones, Shannon Sossman, Hope Davis. That's a good cast. Oh, Carla uh, Gugino. I've never known. I, I love her, and I've never known how you say her name. Gugino? Gugino? I know that this. it's a soft G. The first one is a soft G. I don't know oh, about that so second it's one. G- Gugino? No, I thought G was a soft G. I That's thought, a hard G. I thought G. Like that sounds a lot harder than go. No, it's j- it's like you sink into it. J- okay, well then then the <laughs> so it's a hard G by my definition. A g is a hard G by your definition. Yes. How is g soft? What soft? Oh. I can you did j as a hard thing. I get yeah. that. But what is soft t- about g? Pay attention to all the stuff that your mouth is doing in order to say g and j. Like you really have to work harder. Oh, so you're saying it's a level of effort. Yeah. Not it's not about the plosiveness of the word. It's yeah. just the level of effort you're putting into it. It yeah. takes more to I, do it. I judge everything based on how hard it is for me to do. <laughs> and so Anyway, so uh yeah, Wayward Pines is not what we're here to talk about. But that's what uh Shannon Sossaman was in. Um and a couple other things that I have not heard of since then. Too bad. I like Shannon Sossman. Sure. All right. Um, what we're here to talk about today uh, is not the Washington Post article we just talked about, but a Guardian article that uh, uh, I also read lately, recently that I um, liked the article and then was like baffled by the response to it because I'm out of touch. Scott Tobias over at Guardian.com wrote... Um, 
for the 20th anniversary of the movie Shrek. He wrote about how bad Shrek is and how uh, its legacy on studio animated movies has been poisonous and terrible. Sure. And it was a really well uh, written piece and not something that I would have thought was controversial. I This yeah. is me being in my bubble, right? Yeah. I... I thought we all knew the Trek was terrible, but I follow, I guess, on Twitter, a lot of people who are like in their 20s now, which means they grew up with Shrek. Sure. And um, there was a surprising amount of defense of Shrek, uh, none of which changed my mind. Right. Um, Shrek, uh, if you're one of these people, I'm sorry to tell you, Shrek is very, very bad. It's pretty rough. There's a couple nice jokes in there, but that's, uh, that's basically it. I remember... It was, I saw it with friends and I laughed, but that was, that came out the same year as I think you and I saw Monsters, Inc. together. And yeah, yeah we did see Monsters, Inc. together. And I, I remember, remember the name of that theater. Same place we saw Scotland, PA. Yeah. I cannot remember the name of that theater. Damn. It's frustrating. Yeah. The Village? No. It might have been one of the villages because there were like four at that okay. time. So right. it actually might have been a village. I think it was. Okay. Uh, but yeah, and so... I remember the, the two movies came out the same year and there was su- it was such a foregone conclusion that Shrek was going to win. I think it was the first best animated feature okay. category. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I, I guess I get why, but you've got Monsters, Inc. right over here. What What's going on? Why are you going with this thing that, fe- that left me feeling so empty? And this, th- again, I laughed, but just because I'm laughing doesn't mean uh, I don't feel empty afterwards. Whereas Monsters, yeah. Inc., I didn't laugh quite as much, but it felt like a, a heartier uh, meal. And uh, yeah, so uh, come to find out, uh, there are many sequels to Shrek, and there are often... I saw uh, Shrek 2, I think, okay. on DVD. I think my ex-girlfriend and I watched it, like half as a joke maybe um and then i didn't see shrek 3 or shrek forever after or right. puss in boots. boots or apparently there's another puss in boots movie coming out is point. there oh it's it's coming out okay um but yeah but you and i we didn't grow up with it it didn't shape who we were i think it's safe to say by that point we were mostly not fully formed or anything like that but we kind of knew who we were as as movie people but yes if you're 2025 then like this was a that was a big movie for you undoubtedly um yeah i I learned from this article from scott tobias um that there's a a puss in boots um uh sequel in 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 the works um uh, what i uh, last thing on this i want to quote one thing from scott tobias that i think is a perfect um uh, summation, <laughs> or, or at least gets to the heart of why one of the main things I don't like about Shrek. Uh, an all-ages film that's somehow more crude and juvenile in its appeals to adults than children. Yes, 100%. Um, anyway, so that's enough ragging on Shrek, though, because this is not, we're not going to be, it's not what this podcast is. We're yeah. not going to be like old men uh, telling the youths that they're wrong. Look, in we this case, like, they are. But We didn't like Shrek even at the time. <laughs> Sorry, put a stay tuned. Yeah, put a pin in that for next week. Um, no, what this got me thinking of because my first reaction was like, "What's wrong with these young people?" But then I immediately started thinking, "Wait a second, there are movies that my generation uh, adores, yeah, and and glorifies that I also liked as a kid, yes, but 
have come to realize suck. And so yeah. what we're going to talk about today, that's enough youth bashing. We're going to talk about our yeah. peer bashing. We're going to exactly. bash our, our peers. And, and in some cases ourselves, because some of these were movies that I kind of, for lack of a better term, grew out of quickly. And some I held on to for a while um, and said, like, you know yeah. what? No, that's, that's pretty good. And it's just like, take yourself away from it. If you were watching it now, if it wasn't part of your childhood, yeah. which obviously is going to is going to, you know, infuse it with all this other stuff. Um, if you were to watch it now, what would you think? It was like, oh, I wouldn't like it. It's like, OK, well, well think about that. I'm going to dive into the controversial end and start with one that I think is uh, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on my especially people our age who are like you and me have this sense of humor of you and me. But it's also one it took me a while to let go of. But during the pandemic, I rewatched Clue. And, uh, oh, good. Uh, pretty much, I mean, Tim Curry's really good. And at the end, he gets to really, yes. he has a big centerpiece, and that part is really great. I have to admit, I love him running around explaining everything that happens. Yes. It's super cool. And that's, I think, what I remember when I remember the movie. And I remember how good the cast is. And, of course, there are certain, like, you know, flames on the sides yeah, of my face. Yeah, Madeline Kahn is a, that, was that, a national treasure. But, like, uh, uh, the movie itself is uh, so basic so poorly written like you've got i mean you've got people like madeline khan and like christopher lloyd like really like swinging for the fences to make these jokes work but these are like grade school joke book jokes like set up punchline type of like they're uh they're they're almost embarrassing and funny like it's embarrassing to me that adults got together and and made (laughs) made those jokes it's there's there's a lot that's one that i i mean it's still on my on my shelf there for, uh, purely for nostalgic reasons and because it was five bucks um but like that's one that i held on to for a long time and there are things there are things that i would still hold on to as you were as you were saying um but it is one that as time goes on i was just like man this is really juvenile like w- what is it about this material i guess because it's based on a game that they are going with jokes this broad and that they're just selling it with histrionics. Yeah. Uh, and I don't blame the cast. And I think it's like, I think it's a fine looking movie from an art direction standpoint. Like you really feel like you've stepped into this game. Uh, they have a, this, they built this mansion with all the rooms and they're all com- configured a certain way. So it's like, all right, that's not bad. But for the most part, yeah, there's there's still a few jokes that I will quote and I will defend to my dying day. But for the most part, yeah, it's just not uh, not what it was when I was a kid. Of course, I loved it when I was a kid. How could you not? It's it, I feel like it's meant for kids. It's meant for certain types of kids. And this is what I this is why I think this one was so hard maybe for both of us to let go of, because not only is it not a smart movie when we were younger we thought it was a smart, like yes. smart comedy. It seemed, it seemed like a more sophisticated brand of comedy yeah. than what uh, our like classmates yeah. were we, laughing we at. We thought we were watching rules of the game <laughs> yeah. over there. Yeah. And so it, it felt like, I, I, that's why I feel like I, I think the the loving that movie at a certain age felt like a totem of like, I'm brainier than my classmates. And so to realize the movie was not smart, yeah. By the way, when I just just now when I said like it's for kids, I'm not saying that as a defense of it. I'm saying those jokes are inherently childish, but it was it was aimed it was aimed at adults. Right. Right. You know. Um, so yeah, I yeah that is one that it t- 
took me a long time. Most of these I, I've not liked for quite a while. Um, and then some of them are things that you get older and you can connect some behind the scenes dots a little easier. Okay. Um, and you realize like, Oh, of course I liked Willow because I liked star Wars and Willow is just star Wars. It's got, it's Darth Vader, albeit one that's not nearly as uh, impactful. It's got, it's Han Solo. It has a lot of the, it has an emperor type. Uh, it has all of these characters. Um, and they're dynamic. It's just, it's a sword and sorcery kind of thing. And that really appealed to me. And there are certain things that still appeal to me from an art, from an art direction standpoint. And, you know, Val Kilmer swinging for the fences. Um, but for the most part, it's just like, yeah, this is really, this is just so clearly a ripoff. Of course I liked it. Cause much like this other movie that I have here, which I believe is a Roger Corman movie called Space Raiders, that is just like Star Wars. It's meant to be Star Wars, or at least it's meant to evoke Star Wars. And I love that. So why wouldn't I love these other things? Yeah. And but then you get older and you come, you you learn the term derivative, and uh, and suddenly you realize like, oh, I could just go, I can just go back to the original thing and just watch <laughs> that, and it'd be, it would feel a lot fresher because it would be. Yeah, I think this is, Willow is the opposite of Clue in the fact that like Clue was hard for me to let go of Willow. Uh, my the scales falling from my eyes moment had happened pretty young. Basically, yeah. I watched Willow so much as a kid. Yeah, and then went a few years not watching it, and then DVDs happened, and I think when my when I first got a DVD player. Um, or my family did. My, my my dad had one in the living room or whatever. I was like, oh, I've never, I've only ever seen Willow on VHS. Why don't I watch this beloved childhood classic? So I was yeah. probably like 17, 18. I was probably 18 years old when I watched it and went, oh. If anything, visually, it's muddier on Blu-ray <laughs> yeah. than on VHS somehow. Uh, DVD, not Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Did okay. I say Blu-ray? Um, you might have said DVD, but yeah. I meant DVD. And, and you know what? It's on Disney Plus, and God help me, part of me was like it, it's it's i thought like is it as bad as i remember it's like yeah but i'm what i'm remembering is like 15 years ago when i realized it was bad so i started watching and it was like yep yep it is it, in fact it might be worse but boy um, i sure loved it when i was a kid there's a i don't know if this is another episode or a subcategory of this episode but you reminded me of something what about movies that everyone our age loved that you didn't see till you were an adult and you feel like a dick being like, because you mentioned Disney plus and it reminded me of this past Halloween. I, for the first time watched Hocus Pocus, which so many people, so many, especially like women our age, yeah, like have a real connection to this movie. And I don't know what, like uh, what to say. Cause I didn't, I didn't see it at the time, but it's just, it's a, uh, it's just very, very bad. It's a very bad movie. I can't think of any off the top. I'm sure there are some examples, but I can't think of any off the top of my head like that. Hocus Pocus is a good example. I still haven't seen it. Well, that's because I, yeah. I heard it wasn't that good. Well, it's funny. Uh, I thought you were the one you were going to have off the top of your head was one that I loved as a kid that you didn't see. I don't think till uh, till adulthood, and that's Empire Records. Oh boy. Yeah, but that's yeah. that like. Uh, I still, to this, like, I know that movie's bad. I still think I would enjoy watching it to this day. Yeah. Because I think it just, like, being 12 or whatever. Yeah. Maybe 13. And seeing kids a few years older than you living the life you hope you live when, you, when you're when you 16 or 17. Or when yeah. you're, you know, when you have, oh, you're old enough to have a car and a job. And you can hang out with like-minded people all day. And just be, like like, dress cool and make 
jokes and be like hip and in or whatever. Like it just empire records as just a hangout movie was so aspirational for me as a 12 or 13 year old that I, it's still not that difficult for me to get back into that headspace, even though I know it's bad. Let's let's, let's run with that. Cause I've got a couple okay. that idea of the essence of cool. Like when I'm, a, when I'm specifically younger and I think like, man, that, that actor makes it look so effortless. So I know this is going to sound weird, but I yeah, remember, I'm gonna, your idea of cool at 12 I, or 13 was probably different than mine. Oh, not even that. I, I was okay. probably like nine or 10. Okay. Um, Christian Slater. Oh yeah. He's pretty He's cool. cool in Heather's. Yeah. I loved cuffs when I was a kid. I, there are a couple things that are just so ridiculously silly that I think I would still defend that. But for the most part, I think cuffs is probably pretty bad. He's very charming. He's a very charming actor. I was very young. Give it a, do you remember it fondly? I don't remember much of it at all. I think I saw it in the theater with my with my brother because it was PG thirteen and it's like ah oh, it looks funny and oh this is the guy from Robin Hood Prince of Thieves which incidentally is also on my list here uh, a movie that I really responded to uh, and you go back now and you're just like and incidentally I do think that a common thread is actors giving giant performances because I think they know the material is not that great and they're doing what they can. Alan Rickman in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, uh, not to mention Morgan Freeman and oddly enough, uh, Mike McShane from whose line is it anyway as a uh, Friar Tuck, like oh. giving these nice big performances. And I think that fooled me that and just like, Oh, Robin Hood. Hey, I like Robin Hood. Um, so I watched that when I was a kid and I, I loved it. And then you watch it now and much like Willa, you're like, this is visually very ugly. Like I, I get that they're trying to make this like the real life Robin hood, but Kevin Costner looks visibly uncomfortable playing this character. There is a scene where the sheriff of Nottingham is clearly trying to rape maid Marion. And he does this thing where like he gets her legs apart and it's treated kind of like comedy. Like, and it's something that, I didn't fully understand as a kid mm-hmm. when I saw that. I, I, had an, I, had a, I had a vague understanding of like what he was trying to do, but in that moment, again, it's played like physical comedy. You watch it now, you're like, oh, look, I know he's the villain and all that, but I feel like the, tone, I feel like the film doesn't know what's going on here. And uh, yeah, that is a movie that does not hold up. I'm sure that's one I haven't seen since I was a kid. I'm not surprised to hear that because I've heard other people say that yeah. it's very bad. Um, I was going to ask if you could name the director until I realized his most recent film is a Blu-ray sitting it is. right there. It is, yeah. Uh, Kevin Reynolds? Kevin Reynolds is yeah, his name. The, uh, his most recent film is Risen. Risen, yes, which was a, a faith-based film that I thought was pretty good until the last act, and then it kind of falls apart. But he also but, made Waterworld. Um, yeah. And one eight seven, and the uh, two thousand two Count of Monte Cristo. He made that one too. So he kind of makes these. He's there's kind of a sturdiness to him as a as a director. Like these are. I never Count of Monte saw Cr- any of I, the three movies I just named. I never saw. So I don't. I know. saw one eight seven, and I remember. Th- and it's just like, yeah, it's not great, but it's got some good performances and and. Of course, Waterworld is is seen. This is something you've talked about. Like it seems like, well, it did so badly uh, financially. Not to suggest it's you know a, ma- a hidden masterpiece or anything like that. But I think removing all the box office talk from it, and if you were to watch it, you might think it was just like 
again, a very visually ugly film and obviously derivative of Mad Max, where they actually have too much water instead of not enough. But uh, I think I think it probably is better than people remember. Not to suggest it's good, but it's not the uh, artistic disaster that people assumed it was because of the box office. Do you know, uh, I haven't looked this up, but I saw someone say that apparently the... Um the Waterworld uh, stunt action show is not coming back to, to, to Universal. It's just, I'm glad I got to see it. Well, yeah, me too. That I mean, it's so interesting. Like the water, like there's a Waterworld movie, but its legacy, the thing that way outshone that <laughs> film was the stunt spectacular. Yeah. Um, okay, so what else do you got? I've got a, a lot of things. Yeah, let's here. go with uh, your list then, because I don't have nearly as many. As okay, you. so let's see here. Uh, I'm going to throw out a few that I know you have seen and one you watched somewhat recently, which was Dragnet. Uh, That was a movie I loved when I was a kid because I thought it was hilarious. I didn't get easily half the jokes. Um, And I I get them now and I think like, those are a little labored. Um, But uh, and there's there's still a couple moments that make I I think I really appreciate Dan Aykroyd's level of commitment to playing Joe Friday that way. Um, But but the film itself, like the, it's, it just falls victim to so many eighties action comedies, which is like, yeah, there's so much emphasis on the action, which is understandable, but that like the comedy gets lost and certainly like, yeah, but there's, there's nothing about the hit, the show dragnet that suggested it would lend itself to this type of action. Um, um, yeah. Um, yeah, watching it recently for the first, not I mean right recently, I mean within the last couple of years, for the first time, like not having seen it as a kid, I realized like um, the stuff with Tom Hanks's character and his sex life is pretty ribald for like a kid's yeah. m- movie. Um, and also, yes, it had, it, you said it falls victim to a lot of 80s tropes and excesses, and it does, but it also falls victim to Dan Aykroyd being able, like, being famous enough that he could get away with what he wanted in that movie, and it's the movie is so strange, like the way that it's the the perverseness of some of the the things and like yeah. like human sacrifice and 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 like you know pagan rituals and cult stuff like that is like super weird. It just feels like Dan Aykroyd being like a weirdo, being into weird stuff. Yeah, well, that'll lead me to Nothing But Trouble. Did you see Nothing But Trouble? Yeah, but I saw Nothing But Trouble when I was old enough to be nothing but put off by it. Yeah, oh, I'm shocked that I wasn't as a kid. Um, I saw it on video, and there are things that made me uncomfortable, but I think I just appreciated, appreciated, that sounds wrong, I just liked uh, how crazy and over the top, again, crazy and over the top, um, you watch it now, and another interesting through line here is just how ugly, how visually ugly so many of these movies are yeah. that I didn't understand at the time. And I'm okay with a certain type of ugliness, but there's just something that's just like, this is just messy and gross. And I cannot believe you're trying to get me to laugh in the midst of this. It's really horrendous, but yes, Dan Aykroyd but, yeah. left to his own devices. Dan Aykroyd's like a weirdo. I think yeah, he's like a delightful weirdo. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but they're not all ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, RIP by the way to shock G the rapper from digital underground who uh, is oh. in nothing but trouble. He's right. you know, he was Humpty was his like character. Yeah. That he played in his, in some songs and he has the fake nose anyway. He's in nothing but trouble as is Tupac because Tupac was like That's associated right. with the, um, digital underground guys. Uh, and it was like right before his career took off. It's weird. <laughs> Tupac is in that scene. 
So I was okay. So I was talking about the ugliness mm-hmm. of uh, a lot of these movies. I will bring up this one is. I feel like people have sort of come around on not liking this, uh, and that is Hook. Uh, this is one that I. It took me a while to to let go of um, because as a kid, like I really loved Peter Pan, like the Disney Peter Pan, mm-hmm. and I always thought the character of Captain Hook was fascinating. And so when I saw the, the, the trailer for Hook, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And so I went to see it and I loved it. Um, and I thought, it was, oh, what an interesting choice to uh, have like Peter Pan grown up and all that sort of thing. I go back now and we were talking about this on the movie journal, I believe, or maybe earlier, maybe earlier this episode. I don't remember anymore, but um, the idea of, Oh, maybe. Oh, no, I think it was this. I think it was uh, this episode. But like the idea of taking something that is like a beloved kids oh, right. thing yeah, that was this episode. And, and claiming it for yourself. Uh, it's something, you know, in retrospect, I, I, I like where the wild things are quite a bit. But my problem at the time was, well, this was a book for children. Mm-hmm. And you took this book and said, I think I'd, I think we'd rather it be looking back on being a child and sort of having that, that uh, bittersweet quality to it rather than trying to capture what childhood actually is. It's what we remember it as. I think we're going to do that. And the image in my head was a little kid reading where the wild things are and being like, this is great. And then an adult says, let me see. He goes, this is great. And then walks away with the book, (laughs) um, leaving the child with nothing. And I, I really like where the wild things are. Don't get me wrong. I think it's kind of brilliant. Um, but that was something that bothered me about it. And with something like hook a hundred percent, it's taking this magical thing and then Spielberg doing what he, uh, I don't mean this in a negative way, but like he's somebody who certainly at that time was fascinated by like father figures and, uh, and like broken relationships between fathers and children. And so, it's like, oh, well, what if everyone's like, what if Peter Pan grew up? And it's like, nobody's asking that question. Uh, but Steven Spielberg did. And so he took this thing that you go back and watch it now. And it's so much, it's obvious. It's so much more for adults. Yes, they had action figures. And yes, I, as a kid, liked it. But there are so many things I didn't understand hmm. about it. Little like winks and that sort of thing. And uh, and you go back now. It's like, yeah, this just feels like adults just taking something from children and saying, well, it's for us now. And, uh, among many other things like that's, it's one of the things that I, there are things that I like about it, of course, but, uh, for the most part, yeah, that's one that, uh, that I don't care for now. You mentioned you saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. So, um, speaking of seeing things in the theater and speaking of Robin Williams, now I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, but I grew up like one of four kids we didn't get to go to the movies all that often because sure. going to the movies was very expensive for my family. We weren't rich or anything. Not that we were suffering. Either. Right. Good childhood. Anyway, so the point. Um, the point is we didn't go to the movies that often. So there are movies that I, in retrospect, I realized, oh, I loved that movie because I saw it in a movie theater. Sure. It was a rare treat. I have not revisited Jumanji from when I was like 11, maybe, when that came out. What year did that come out? 94, 93? I want to say four or five, yeah. Yeah, I was maybe like 11, or, well, I guess if it was 95, it would have been 12 or 13. But anyway, yeah. I'm guessing it was a summer release. So I was 11 or 12. It was mm-hmm. 94, 95. Anyway, because uh, my birthday's in September. Yeah. 
the listener doesn't know that you know that <laughs> so whenever i like whenever you see like oh i was born in 82 1994 that means i was 12 but no i was only 12 for the last third of yeah. 1994 i was so i was anyway probably 11 whatever anyway, this isn't a math um, podcast david but it's a thing I always had to do sure. when I like am trying to figure out how old I was when something came out. I have to think when when did that movie come out? What right. time of year? Yes. So like my birthday's in January or February in your case. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this. Uh, anyway. Slowly but surely break everything down yeah. as far as the calendar. Anyway, uh, Jumanji probably sucks. I don't have anything else to say about it. Yeah, I've not seen it in quite a while. I also saw it in the theater at the time, and it, I remember it being like a, a fun but scary adventure. That, in retrospect, again, so much of so much of this is realizing that something is trying to be something else, mm-hmm. something that's more popular, um, not more popular. That was extremely popular. It's like, well, how can we how can we capitalize on that? You look at Jumanji. And you're like, oh, I read that book. It's very short. Right. This movie, however, obviously, obviously, obviously from this. And as we do, maybe let's bring some Jurassic Park in here. Uh, oh, right. And, and I, you look at it and you're like, oh, yes, tonally. Yes, it's, it's more geared towards children, but just the vibe of it is very Jurassic Park as far as the adventure and that kind of thing. And just because something is in, influenced by something else um, or trying to evoke it, rip it off, whatever you want to say. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but a lot of the, a lot of these things you realize like, yeah, it's, it's trying to do this thing. And I fell for it cause I was young and I like the thing that it was trying to do, but you get older now and you can, you can find certain bits of value in it. And, but in the end you're like, I'm just going to go back and watch Jurassic park. Just like I'm going to yeah. go back and watch star Wars instead of Willow. Um, if you so speaking of the theatrical experience fast forward a year maybe or two from jumanji and now at this point i'm old enough to where i like either have an allowance or i can get my parents to give me a few bucks and one of my friend's parents will drive us to the movie theater drop us off and then pick us up so like this is the first time i'm seeing a movie without adults Mm -hmm. And so there are certain movies from that era that, I mean, there are movies I saw in that era that I still like Brian De Palma's mission impossible. I saw, um, uh, golden eye, which I, I know uh, I haven't seen in a long time, but I know people love, but also movies that I would have told you I loved at the time. Sure. That era twister. Sure. Biodome. Yeah. Spy hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think I saw spy hard a couple times in the theater. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that actually reminds me cause, um, yeah, I really loved Hot Shots when I was a kid. Oh, Hot Shots holds up, I think. I rewatched it oh, recently. Really? It's still, I mean, it's still funny. Compared to Airplane, though, right. same guys, compared to Airplane, Hot Shots is like sluggish. Uh, and it's like, it like sets things up a little bit more. And again, still funny. I, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie, yeah. but as a kid, like I saw that and yeah. And, and compared to naked gun, it's, it's, it's not, it's definitely like second or third tier of those movies. Okay. okay. And, uh, I guess I have a memory of, I can't remember who's hot shots or hot shots, hot shots part do. Yeah. But it has the joke where, um, Charlie Sheen's character is like writing in his journal and it's his voiceover from platoon. And <laughs> then 
you start to hear another voiceover and it's Martin Sheen's voiceover from Apocalypse, Apocalypse now. now and they're on you and he looks up and Martin Sheen is on another boat. They pass each other and they both stand up and go, I loved you in wall street. <laughs> um, That's funny. And it's funny. And also it was, I guess it's like that clue thing of me being like just old enough to be like, I get these references. Yes. Like I, my, my classmates probably wouldn't, but I'm like a movie guy now. Yeah. And I know all, I haven't seen apocalypse now yet probably, but I know that's what that's from. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, I, but I can't remember if that's in hot shots or hot shots. Part yeah. Do you? Yeah. Uh, but also I'm, but part of the reason probably why I overvalue the Hot Shots movies is Valeria Galena. She was like sure. one of my earliest like crushes. I can't blame you. I think uh, I talked about this. We talked about this on the Paul Goebel show years ago, mm-hmm. where uh, the question was like, who was the first adult like celebrity you had a crush on while you were still a child? Yeah. And I think Valeria Galena was probably my answer because of Hot Shots and because of Big Top Pee Wee. Sure, <laughs> um, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, yeah, she was maybe my first, the first adult woman that I was. Uh, crushing on Kim Basinger for me is probably my answer there because uh, of course uh, Batman and then not much later than that but now I'm a teenager LA Confidential she's mm. beautiful in LA Confidential um, but uh, yeah so I don't mean it, that must have been Hot Shots part two because the first one is so obviously trying like it's it's parodying Top Gun right um, whereas the second one is a little bit more Rambo and so the idea of being right. of going into the jungle and again in okay. in rewatch yeah I didn't I don't think I saw that joke in yeah no you're right that would be in the second one because, so yeah um, but yeah uh, so Blue Bridges is great yeah I don't I don't mean to suggest that like Hot Shots is a bad movie but it's definitely one okay. that I see I just like. did the thing though that I'm accusing our peers of doing of being like no that movie holds up sure but like realizing like oh god no it's been so long since i've seen it maybe it doesn't yeah that's true i mean it's and and that and i'm not going to go so far as say that it doesn't hold up but it's one of those things that when you see so many when you see other movies like it like airplane which is, you know, is usually my vote for like the funniest movie ever. That's um, maybe and by many by like the same filmmakers, and you can see like, oh, there's definitely a a, a difference in pacing, a you difference can, in tone. You can see it now. As a kid, I had seen Airplane and Hot Shots, and yeah. didn't. And so that brings me to another one. I don't think I had seen Airplane as a kid, so I think okay. that's you know that's the thing. Um, well, that that brings me to uh, another one. That I can't in retrospect, I can't believe I didn't know the difference between Blazing Saddles, which is great, mm-hmm. and Spaceballs, which is really low, lower rung Mel Brooks. Spaceballs, yes, that and like Robin Hood, Men in Tights, yeah. Dracula, Dead and Loving It, just that, just like late eighties and and into the nineties. But I think if you had asked me when I was a teenager, I would have said like. Spaceballs is the end of the good Mel Brooks era. Sure. Not the beginning of the, which is actually the beginning of the bad Mel Brooks era. But because I had like a good, uh, association with it, um, I, I, I thought of it as being, like oh sure I like his movies Blazing Saddles History of the World Part One Spaceballs yeah. <laughs> like but yeah. it doesn't belong in that in, in that category Young Frankenstein obviously which I didn't see until I was older by the yeah. way yeah and that's and and some of the stuff in Spaceballs it was the first time I saw a movie that was that meta like the idea of characters talking about merchandising I think talking about the sequels well they actually at one point don't they actually like 
put in the videotape of the movie yeah. and fast forward to find out where Lone Star is. Yeah. And then like they accidentally capture our leads stunt doubles uh, in a line uh, delivered by a friend of the show, Stephen Tobolowsky. And so like that just blew my mind as a, yeah. as a, as a little kid. Same. Like I remember I, I had watched an episode of like tiny tune adventures and we're coming, we come back from commercial and like, uh, uh, Buster and Babs are like sitting in like chairs, like drinking coffee and talking about their agents. And then they realize like, Oh, we're on. And so then, then the, the show continues. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember like, even though I knew that that was animated and voiced, I remember just being like, what is going on here? I've never seen anything like this. Well, then you go back and you watch the end of uh, uh, Blazing Saddles. Yeah. And you're just like, well, this is so much better. Um, but uh, yeah. So, and that's the thing is Man, you see. Blazing Saddles. I love that movie so it's much. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even though like all the, the, there's some really homophobic stuff oh, in, yes. that, in that in that sequence, unfortunately. But I also like how <laughs> the plan to slow everybody down is just to put a toll booth yeah. in the middle of the desert. <laughs> oh, somebody go back and get a shitload of dimes. Shitload of dimes. Yeah. Uh, so okay. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to mention uh, a, a lot of a lot of these because uh, yeah, we can. I was kind of right pushing. Um, what I will say is uh, there are some things that again you you realize you can see the stuff going on behind the scenes and realize that like oh this was engineered to uh, appeal to me as a kid and now that i'm an adult i think i might find this insidious uh (laughs) the wizard did you ever see the wizard i don't think i might have seen it like later but i was that's like um when it comes to video games i checked out video games pretty early on and yeah. haven't really looked back. Yeah. My most recent console, which is in the other room is my super Nintendo circa 1991. So oh, see, I might even had you have you beat because my ex-girlfriend had an Xbox original Xbox, mm. which I would play dance dance revolution on. Sure. Um, when I was unemployed and I was pretty sure the person apartment below me was at work, then I would, there that's when go. I would play. <laughs> that's a different kind of game though. I think. Yeah. But I also, we played like some halo, like the like sure. battle, like where you shoot each other mode or whatever. Yeah. But I, that's the last time I held, the last time I held a controller okay. would have been, uh, the first generation Xbox. The last video game I actually, well, see now I'm, I remember once being at a party and someone had a Wii and there was like, yeah. So I think I played like around a bowling yeah, I think it's safe to say you're not, you don't qualify as a gamer. Yeah. Uh, in that in any case, this is all to say that like, even at that age, I wasn't really, the wizard yeah. didn't really appeal to me. Yeah, it definitely did to me because first off, like just the, the story is just the most gene- generic, uh, like kids go on the road. They're going to this, uh, this amazing it could be a conference. It could be a competition. It could be a, uh, amusement park, whatever it is. They're going to this mythic place where they will finally find where they belong. And this kid is really good at video games. So they're going to go to this big video game competition where at least in the United States, super Mario brothers three is going to be unveiled. And along the way they meet like a bully who is, uh, who it would seem to have an unfair advantage because he's got the power glove. And so it's just, uh, which is a Nintendo thing. So it's just this giant commercial for, for Nintendo. And 
you know what mission accomplished because uh i myself as a kid like i played nintendo and i really enjoyed it and so it's like oh my gosh this is our first glimpse of super mario brothers three this is amazing and is it, uh you go back fred and like savage right it's fred savage and jenny yeah. lewis is it i don't remember uh i only remember him being the the lead um but yeah so it's uh yeah, jenny lewis now uh singer songwriter jenny lewis huh is is in that good for good wait no i was gonna say good for her i think maybe it's the opposite uh, it's good for her that she's got a yes, successful career there you go singer songwriter um but yeah so that one that's a, that was a big one not that it was one of my favorite movies and not that i would have been defending it to anybody who who bashed it but in retrospect you can just see you find yourself wondering like okay so did nintendo decide they needed a movie or did the movie happen and they thought video games are really big who can we get like what what company can we get to to incorporate uh and probably pay for a lot of this um it's hard to know but either way uh it's not necessarily uh interested in engaging with its audience on an artistic or emotional level aside from i feel that i love video games and i want to see uh, somebody play them um directed by todd holland who is still a prolific oh, that's a um sitcom a director guy? yeah he's done uh, episodes of the mayor as recently as this year um his the last feature film of his that i've seen maybe the last one he made is 2007's firehouse dog which i used to have this uh, uh, ritual uh, that no, it wasn't a ritual. Basically, just when I was homesick from work, mm-hmm. like actually like sick, like stuck to the couch, I would just watch whatever was on HBO. And so that means there are certain movies from that era that I have seen, but I don't really remember because I was probably like in and out of like consciousness with because like, I was oh, on like yes. cold medicine or whatever. So Firehouse Dog is one. The other one I, I really remember, and this one I remember liking. Uh, Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. Do you remember that? It's a Martin oh, yeah, Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrence yeah, movie. Yeah. I remember really liking that. I remember there was a, a, a fun... And I think that's the guy who made Girls Trip, if I'm remembering correctly. Same director. Which I still haven't seen. Um, I remember there was a, a fun episode yeah. of that I was actually present for the, the taping of, of uh, I Love Movies with Doug Benson. Uh, it was like their hundredth, his 100th episode or his 50th episode. I don't remember exactly, but it was at the UCB Theater. And so he had multiple guests. He had... At this point, various friends of the show, uh, Graham Elwood, Paul F. Tompkins, Bill Dwyer. I feel like maybe there was another one, but it might only have been those three. But uh, they spent a lot of time on Firehouse Dog <laughs> with Paul F. Tompkins. Just like his mind being blown by how, how uh, like, oh, this dog has a toupee and then he loses his toupee and nobody recognizes him. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's like Doc Hollywood or whatever. Like yeah, the yeah. premise is that it's like a showed like a, a celebrity like tv dog yeah who gets lost and then gets adopted by a firehouse in a small town and then i guess like the dog learns humility i'm guessing i can't remember i don't know <laughs> and this is not an animated movie there's no there's, the dog doesn't talk right yeah this is a live action a live movie. action and the dog's just walking around and you know what i'll mention since we're talking about live action uh, animal movies uh hard to watch milo and otis the way i uh, used to never i've never watched it and yeah now i from what i understand yeah man oh man i can't even imagine. it's 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 pretty and it's it's one of the things that like as you want like if i didn't know the behind the scenes stuff i could watch it and still think like this is like those animals are in 
peril like in real life yeah i don't think there was anyone on the set making sure that these animals were okay uh and then you discover that uh, oh there were many 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 milos which yeah, is horrifying to hear about and so that's one where it's like i don't think i'm gonna watch that yeah. again and uh, and if i did if i was forced to i don't think i would enjoy it as much you know i was thinking about uh, this and this is coming full circle being like uh an old man i can't believe things are or where they where they were but like the level of violence i guess in stuff that was for kids when we were kids mm-hmm. for some reason i was uh, this is months ago back at christmas time i was listening to a podcast where they revisited the garfield christmas special <laughs> yeah okay and this one it's not that violent but there's a part where garfield garfield says whoever invented caroling should be dragged out into the street and shot and it's like I remember, I remember that joke. I remember thinking that was funny as a yeah. kid, but I don't think a kid's cartoon made today would have a joke about someone being dragged out into the street and shot. Um, yeah, and, I don't think so. Certainly not these days. And then uh, the other one, which I, I haven't watched this in a while, but I watched it a lot as a kid, And but I was just thinking, uh, the movie All Dogs Go to Heaven is which like... Which I've never seen. Okay, well, I don't think it's that great or anything, yeah. but it's like, it's cute, but it's also like, a mob movie about like, like yeah. there's violence and death, like characters die in the, yeah. in that movie. It's, uh, uh, strange. I, I just can't imagine, uh, kids watching that today. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but, yeah. uh, just interesting to think about. Well, I d- nothing else uh, on my list here is really jumping out at me in so far as that. Like I would say more about it, uh, yeah. than, than I have already said about other things. So I'm fine to, uh, go ahead and leave it there. Okay. Well, uh, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. You can email us at david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can uh, follow me, David, on Twitter at davypretension this week uh, at the at, at the website battleshippretension.com. Check out my review of Christian Petzold's new movie, Undina. Uh, that's U-N-D-I-N-E. Uh, it's really great. The movie is really great uh, you can decide if my review is good but um you can uh follow tyler on twitter at tyler pretension tyler do you have anything to plug i don't i will mention uh our patreon uh, oh it's yeah it's a great way to support the show and uh oh and the book oh, we haven't yeah. talked about the book in a That's while true. have we uh, sorry because i wasn't on for like a month did you what's the deal with uh out of the country people <laughs> it is there's a lot of be there's some shop talk uh, okay. but uh, apparently i was literally like one click away from it being done and ready yeah and then it says oh you need to make this this correction i was like oh okay holy shit like how dare they say you need to make this one correction it's oh, like saying shit. it's like saying oh you need to take this you, oh, you just need to climb these stairs, but it's like the top of a fucking pyramid or something like that. Okay. And so I know how to do it now. I had to research it. I know how to do it now. And I just don't have, I just haven't had the time, but you know what? We're probably going to be getting a nanny soon and I'm going to, I'm going to have a lot more time now. So, uh, I was so, it was like a month ago and I was so angry. Um, yeah. It seemed like you were inches from the goal. Line. I was. Yeah. I could taste it. I was so excited. Uh, but anyway, the book's still yeah. available to the U.S. people, uh, yes. people living in the, the U.S. people, <laughs> people living in the U.S. Uh, and yeah, Battleship or Patreon.com slash Battleship Retention. Uh, this most recent uh, episode was, wait, where are we in the month? It was a, it was a TV, TV journal. Yeah, we talked about all the TV we've been watching yeah. uh, recently. 
yeah so uh yeah it's a great way again a great way to support the show and you get you get more of this if you like this yeah why wouldn't you uh all right well thanks for listening we'll get you next time bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 